This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The head of God as Alison Becker helps the Reds boing past the baggies and onto Burnley with their Champions League dream still alive. We'll somehow try and make sense of a goalkeeper scoring for the first time in Liverpool's 129-year history, review the rest of the action and throw ahead to Wednesday's trip to Turf Moor. Joining me to do that, we have our chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, and Theo Squires too. Doyle, I'll come to you first. You were at the uh, Hawthorns, and the emotion when that went in must have been, uh, well, I, I don't even have words for it. it. It must have just been absolutely amazing seeing it all, seeing Alisson first of all go up for the corner and then be the man to get the winner in stoppage time. Well, obviously, I have no emotions. Sorry to get it. <laughs> <laughs> even, even you must have given it a get in. Well, it's funny. It's it's not the incredibly. It's not the first time I've seen a goalkeeper score. I saw Tim Howard score against uh, Bolton. It was back at Goodison. But the difference there is that for that one, I didn't actually see it until it had actually just about to go into the goal, because obviously he was taking a goal. Uh, you know, not a goal kick, but he was kicking out of his hands, so he won't pay much attention. Totally different to at West Brom yesterday. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was just, well, it was very bizarre. I mean, let's be honest. How many times do you see it? You don't see it very often. I mean, let's just pretend that it wasn't Alisson who scored. And it was just a player who scored. What a dramatic way to win a game that Liverpool need to win. And a great header from a corner. And then you add in the fact that he's the goalkeeper. And you think, well, really? What, what's going on? It was interesting because there were one or two people in the press box. I'm not going to name any names, James Pierce, but um, that were that were <laughs> that, that were he was sat right right by me. He was uh, a little bit excited. Bearing in mind that he's the man who gets excited when Steven Gerrard scores in a six-one defeat against Stoke, so you can imagine what he was like. Um, but there were one or two screams. It was actually quite interesting in the fact that even because obviously West Brom were already down, so the game didn't in some sense mean much to them. So people, even the neutral, you know, most of the journalists are neutral in terms of that game. They were just like, couldn't believe it either. You know, the people, everybody in that stadium, the stewards, whoever, just were like, has that really just happened? And I think it was more the fact, you know, it, it could it have been any better timing? No. Could it have been a better goal? I mean, the only thing you could have done differently was perhaps do an overhead kick. And even then, you would have thought, "Well, that's just ridiculous." That would have been well, like I mean, ridiculous. The technique on it and everything was well, exactly the same. The header, it was, it was the actually header was just so header. good. Yeah, yeah, the header was so good. And uh, I mean, everybody will have seen the interview that he did after the game, which took place just in front of where I was sat. Actually, so you could see how much it meant to him. And but, well, the other thing as well is that if you have a look at this, this when the ball goes in and Liverpool plays celebrate, I cannot remember of all the goals Liverpool have scored. I can't remember a goal that's been celebrated quite like that for a long time. Bear in mind that they've had you know the four 0 against Barcelona, you know, scoring in a Champions League final. But you know, look, I'll put a tweet out. Say, look at Mohamed Salah, the, the way that he was when he went in. He, he scored what 125 goals for Liverpool. I don't think he's celebrated a goal quite like that. Two reasons: one, obviously the importance of the goal, but secondly, who scored it, and the fact that you know we all know he's a very popular member of the squad, Alison Becker. And if you saw that, say, with the interview, what personable chap he is, and we're all aware of the, you know, what he's had, to, what he's been through, both the, you know, the downs, obviously, of his, of his father dying and, the, and recently, you know, the ups of a, his third child being born. So it's been an emotional time for him. But it was just a great moment, wasn't it? I think it was you, Guy, who said that that was the moment of the season, regardless of whoever you, whoever you supported. So... You know, if, if we've got an Arsenal fan saying, to be fair, there's not been much for Arsenal to celebrate, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so if you've got an Arsenal fan saying that, then 
Yeah, I mean, it was also, it was interesting the fact that it was almost practically the last touch by a Liverpool player in behind closed doors football. And it, it kind of underlined just how unreal the whole thing has been, that the whole thing should just finish with a goalkeeper scoring a last, an injury time winner. You know, you know what, what, what could sum it up more than that of how odd the whole thing's been? But take all that away, Liverpool have somehow, from a couple of weeks ago, they're now just two wins away from getting into the Champions League. And who would have thought that? Theo, I'll come to you shortly, but doily pressing question I must ask. Was the sure. KFC nice? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is KFC ever not nice? Yeah, is that is that, yeah. in refer- that 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 is in reference to a couple of for anybody who doesn't play on Twitter? A, why don't you? Uh, and B, <laughs> B, um, I put a tweet out with about five minutes to go saying if if Liverpool score from a corner in these closing minutes, I'm just gonna get a KFC on the way. Although I was always going to do that anyway. And of course, that then. Alison heads in, and I just get loads of messages from people saying Zinger Tau Burger and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah, no, there's never yeah. a bad KFC. No, happy days. Uh, Theo, we saw the assist from Alison last year against Manchester United, and I don't think many people sort of thought that was going to get topped, but we, we saw the save against Napoli, against Milik late on in that one as well. But that probably is his biggest save for Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you'd hope so if uh, they make it into the top four come the end of the season. Um, I know we did the brief yesterday and you got the instant reaction then, but now what? Not quite 24 hours later, you still don't believe it. Like whenever the ball, the goal's coming up on Twitter, you watch it again and again and again. It just doesn't seem real, does it? I know we've talked about the technique of the header, but um, Sky showed, didn't they, the other goalkeepers' goals in the Premier League. And you think, well, you've got Brad Friedel shinning one in. You've got Pidge Schmeichel sort of volleying it at the keeper and it's like deflected in at the near post. A few long punts over the top. This was a, a great goal from uh, something that you'd expect a strike to score. I think match of the day, they were saying if it was like a Duncan Ferguson, a Dion Dublin, someone like that, you'd think, oh, that's a great header. Never mind goalkeeper. But yeah, it's moment of Liverpool season by far like, I don't think they even need to hold a goal of the season by Alisson's going to win isn't it you might even get a goal of the season overall for match of the day if uh, Liverpool fans hijack that as we know they have done in the past for some awards but yeah it's just amazing how this can completely turn Liverpool season um, we were saying yesterday should he really have gone up for it though like obviously it a draw wasn't the worst result it wasn't the best result by any means but West Brom could have easily countered attack and got a late nick away themselves. But when it all comes together like that, when it is such a rare occurrence, all you can just do is, wow, just wow. If Liverpool make it into the Champions League and that has been such a huge part of it, uh, it's a nice end to what has been a very difficult season. That's why you don't want a pragmatist in charge, though, isn't it? You don't want to be, you want the emotion there of football. Go on, send the goalie up. Let's well, you say, you say that, but look at the time where he, he went to go up and then didn't. That was Barcelona. Where they were three 0 down, he could. He tried to go up to try and help get an away goal. He got told to stay back. Ended up making a save from Dembele, and then Liverpool won the second leg four 0 So he, he chose quite well on both occasions. No, definitely. But I think what Theo says there, goal of the season. I think surely it's it, it, there's going to be no competition for him. I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? In a sterile season like we've had, of no fans, sort of seemingly fitting. I know you said a couple of times, Doyle, that Man City kind of win the league in this season because there is no crowd and they just completely dominate sides. But the mm. moment of the season still belonging to the pure joy, elation and emotion that as football fans, we all love to see and experience. Just sad that that would have been right in front of the away end at the Hawthorns as well. But obviously, no fans there to see it. No, I think 
a massive difference. And we have to say, I'm assuming everybody who watched the FA Cup final between Chelsea and Leicester. And I think that gave, regardless of who you support, if, even Chelsea fans, let's be perfectly honest, they gave them a massive shot in the arm in terms of it, it looked as though it was it looked as though it was real. It looked normal. I know it was, it was 20 odd thousand, wasn't it? It wasn't quite anywhere near full, but the noise that they made made it sound like it was full at Wembley. And we've had that when Liverpool had the 2,000 fans in um, in December and when Fulham had 2,000 fans in as well. So I just think that over the weekend, there's, there's, just generally speaking, I think there has been a kind of a shift. I mean, obviously, if you ask Everton fans after what happened with, to them against Sheffield United, they might say something different. But even, you know, everybody's, all supporters have got something to look forward to this week now because they're all... I think Everton next, fans have next, something to look forward to in terms of getting into their team. Yeah. <laughs> in the next, save that for the Everton podcast. Save that. Uh, in, the ne- you know, in, the next, in the next week, every, all supporters will have had a chance. Well, you know what I mean by, by, by this. They're obviously not all going to get a chance, but there's going to be supporters at the, every home game in the Premier League. So... That gave them something to look forward to. And I think it, the way that Liverpool have won this game has just whetted the appetite for the final two games because you can imagine Burnley fans will be massively up for it on, uh, on Wednesday. So more and will come on to that in a bit. And regardless of what happens, the Liverpool are bound to get a massive reception. Can you imagine the reception Alisson's going to get at Anfield on, on next Sunday <laughs> when he comes out? It's going to be pretty incredible because they've, they've waited a long time. And, and, you know, just looking at the game itself, Mohamed Salah, 31 goals now. You know, so he'll get a huge reception. I think the players have been looking forward to it. And uh, as I wrote in uh, in my verdict, when I was like doing my work after the game, Alisson had finished his, his interview and he kind of wandered off into the tunnel. And suddenly you heard this massive cheer. There was only one thing it could have been. It was the Liverpool players congratulating him. And you've seen the videos from, from inside the dressing room with Fabinho with his uh, can't quite believe it. And... There was that kind of sense from the players, wasn't it? I said to go back to the celebration, you looked at them, they were like, A, we are made up, and B, I cannot believe that's just happened. And even, you have to say as well, well, everyone like, oh, look, Sam Allardyce, this, that, and the other. You have to say fair play to West Brom because they put in a massive shift and you could hear them on the pitch. They were absolutely desperate to get something from this game because it's, it still means a lot to play Liverpool to, well, it means a lot to play for West Brom, no matter what, what the situation is. So for them, it was a credit to them and, if they'd have nicked a draw, I don't think anyone would have complained. If Liverpool dropped points, I think they would have had only themselves to blame with the chances that they missed because it's not just Sam Allardyce said, oh, yeah, they had great chances, um, West Brom. I thought Liverpool towards the end, you look at Juan Album's chance, you look at Trent's chance. You know, Firmino had a half chance, Thiago was close with one. You suddenly look at them and you go, well, it's no wonder Liverpool scored, but a mild concern that it needed the keeper to have watched 90-odd minutes of these lot going, what on earth are you lot doing? And so I'll, just, I'll sort this myself. I'll get up there and put one in. So, uh, so yeah. It was yeah. a weekend football needed. Like You think all year we've had VAR, we've not had fans, and whenever there's a goal, you don't know if you can celebrate it or not. And you've heard all these fans falling out of love with the game. Then you had European Super League and Premier League fans, again, falling out of love with the game. You just can't enjoy it as much. It has been a horrid year. Where there haven't been these moments. And in this weekend alone, you've had Tiemann's scoring that amazing goal in the FA Cup final. And not only have you got the roar of the fans, it is a goal that will get you out of your seat. It is that good, especially coming in the Cup final. It's not quite Steven Gerrard West Ham, but it is one of the great FA Cup final goals. And then with Alisson, granted, there's no fans, but that is another goal that creates that emotion in fans. Like It doesn't matter where you are 
in the stadium or not watching that you'll get out of your seat same as the Tillemans goal everyone will just been wow celebrating it doesn't matter what your allegiance are and that's what we've needed after the year everyone has had watching football supporting whoever they did it makes you realize this is why we do it this is why we love the beautiful game and this is why this year has been a complete write-off for everyone and now we've got this sense of normality back uh, it's hopefully going to be a rather nice last week to the season before ho- hopefully very nice European championships with more fans back in stadiums. And then we can just put all of it behind us, go again, 2021, 2022, and forget this pandemic ever happened. Yeah, no, it's, interesting. it's interesting for Trent, isn't it? Because, you know, for most players, it'll be like, oh, do you remember that corner that I, that I crossed for the goalkeeper to head in? And they'll be like, well, I actually did another one. Did another one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, a beautiful moment that hopefully sort of now sees the back of a wretched year without fans in grounds. Obviously, we have had those sort of three games that fans came back to, to Anfield for, but hopefully back in, obviously, some more numbers now from here on in. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We best actually talk about the action, I suppose. Um, Doily, just on Alisson being the man to get the, the goal, though. Gini Wijnaldum had had the chance just before, and a few people mm. have picked up on when the goal went, and he, the one man who didn't kind of celebrate. And we saw in the interview after the game as well, just what it meant to Alisson. It sort of seems defining that it, it was him, not just being a goalkeeper. It's great when a goalkeeper scores, and I have to add in here as part of the goalkeeper's union, great to see a goalkeeper wearing tracksuit bottoms score because that's a technique I've followed myself too. But <laughs> yeah, must be how, many, how many Premier League footballers have scored a goal wearing kecks? Yeah, no, it just sort of seemed right, though, that it was him. As I say, Vinaldum had had that chance. You mentioned Trent had one. Thiago stopped brilliantly by Sam Johnston, who, again, for playing Liverpool, seems to have morphed into Manuel Neuer to try and keep some of those shots out. But, um, yeah, just it being Alisson and that interview you saw after the game, just, just how much it meant to him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... it's we, we can't... We don't know what he's been through. I mean, we've all had, like, personal situations but the one that he's had it's been made even worse by the fact he hasn't even been able to go on to Brazil and you know and, and, and be with his be with his mother so it has been tough for him what what came out of it as well though is that as I said before he's quite he's clearly a popular member of the squad but the togetherness of the squad I mean we always talk about this and, and a lot a lot of football clubs and teams are exactly the same because if you go out there week in week out alongside you know you won't have to have to trust the guy next to you the guy behind you you know, so so all, all football clubs are like that, and the ones that aren't, I hate to mention Arsenal, but you know it is a little bit like that. Sorry, from what from from looking on the outside in, let's put it this way. But you can looking on the outside now, looking at Liverpool, you could see the way that they were all together the other day. While I think what's been interesting for me over the last couple of weeks is that the change, the shift in mentality now that they've realised that they can actually do something now that they've. To, to, just regardless of who's out on the pitch, because you know, Rich Williams and Nat Phillips have been the centre-backs for the last three games and they're going to be for the next two. Well, unless, as is inevitable, one of them gets injured. They'll probably just clash heads at Burnley next week and it'll be <laughs> it'll be with Adrian and Kelleher, centre-back, just to just remind them not to touch the ball with their hands. Um, Adrian fancies himself as an outfielder. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some <laughs> good old people Let's go, did he? Yeah, he can go and goal and Alisson can play centre-back and head it clear. Um but but yeah, I think but the point being is that now that Liverpool have had that kind of boost, you can see that that changing mentality. They look mentality. Sorry, they look like a team who's knows what they can get, knows that it's cap- they're capable of getting it. And you saw that United. You saw that to a certain degree against Southampton. Weirdly, you did see it at Leeds, but they just kind of fell away. 
Newcastle was a little bit the same. So you were kind of worried. Aston Villa wasn't that long ago. They were scoring a last-minute winner there as well. So I think since the international break, they've just got their heads down and thought, well, look, we've been without all of these players all this season. We need to address A, the home form, B, the fact that we're not scoring that many goals, C, that we are having playing with these central defenders, but we're going to have to stick with central defenders rather than putting midfielders in defence. And it's paid off. I mean, Liverpool have conceded one goal yesterday to United, but they've been doing enough going the other end. And when you've got goalkeepers popping up and scoring goals, then you perhaps think that maybe the fates that have been against them for so much of the season perhaps are going for them because they could easily... You know, they could easily have lost that game with that VAR decision for, for West Brom's disallowed goal, which is one of those, isn't it? I mean, it's the kind of one that has been going against Liverpool for most of the season. This one's actually gone for them. And unlike against Newcastle, when one did go for them, they actually made the most of it this time. Yeah, definitely. It's eight unbeaten now in the Premier League. Six wins, obviously, those two draws with Leeds and Newcastle United. But yeah, definitely another sort of three-game stretch now for Liverpool. If they can make it five, you feel Champions League football will be inevitable. We're going to get into the permutations uh, shortly. But uh, Theo, just in terms of some of the individuals and kind of how Liverpool even played, certainly in that first half, we know West Brom were already relegated, but it felt almost as though it was the other way around. Doyley saying before how West Brom really wanted something from the game. They were concentrated. They were bang at it from the get-go in the game. And it was Liverpool who were being a bit sloppy, certainly in midfield, giving a few niggly free kicks away and just didn't really seem switched on for that opener for West Brom. No, they weren't, but it's not something that is new, is it? It's something we've seen from Liverpool all season long that at times they just haven't clicked. It's been a mismatch of a team for a lot of the campaign. Uh, Jurgen Klopp would have had to make changes for this one because it's going to be a big week and he made the two, I think, that we predicted when we were speaking on the podcast last week. But when you look to that bench, he was really right down to the bare bones, wasn't he, when he's got two, three kids on there who haven't featured much this season. Granted, he didn't need to have two keepers on there this week. But it's one where it's no surprise where Liverpool aren't quite at it. And then you've got the Rubens or all the sounds of Sadio Mane not being happy, players out of form like Roberto Firmino, granted he scored twice at Old Trafford. There is always that cloud over their heads on whether they can turn it on. And while they have been on this eight-game unbeaten run now, it is still not quite Liverpool of the last two seasons, is it? They're not destroying teams in front of them, though they are showing a bit of that spirit now where they can get these last-minute winners I think it's going back to that Villa game, it gave them that belief again that now they're almost in that position where they've got nothing to lose. Like they would rather be giving it all, conceding silly goals, but at least trying getting over the line. And they might be struggling along the way, but it's enough. And you think, well, when you've got the spine of the team back, because let's face it, they're probably missing three or four players from that starting 11 at least, then they are going to be a real threat again. And it's quite telling when you look at this eight game run, what the two games they've dropped points in were the two where they've had to put the midfielder back at centre-back again. So even when they've resorted to Reese Williams, when they're playing two centre-backs there, they're getting the wins, which is what they've not been doing for most of the season. And it makes you wonder, granted it might come unstuck if you'd had two centre-backs for a longer length of time, but how differently the season could have been if Fabinho had been midfield the whole way through and that Phillips had been turned to earlier, or when you think if Kabak had stayed fit and he'd settled a bit quicker. It's just been a strange season, but if Liverpool can still get into the top four, with all these circumstances, you'd fancy their chances again for it to just be a one-off uh, collapse this year with a Van Dijk back in there, with a Henderson back in there. They should be right up there challenging City again. Like You look at the points gap, it's pretty similar to Liverpool and City last year. 
there's that similarity with City losing Laporte. So they were out there with their linchpin at the back for the whole campaign. Well, Liverpool can respond by uh, winning the League Cup, winning the Premier League and at least reaching the Champions League final. I think we'd all be happy with that. Yeah, I think it I think it speaks volumes there that you're talking about Fabinho being in midfield when arguably he had his worst game of the season probably at the Hawthorns. He wasn't great. But Doily, in terms of the rest of kind of the, the mainstays for Liverpool, Mane, of course, off form and had a few another frustrating afternoon, I think it's fair to say at the Hawthorns. But the elite players, Allison, of course, getting the goal, Trent Alexander Arnold, Thiago and Mohamed Salah, certainly those three outfield players really stepped up for Liverpool and Thiago running the game, Salah got the equaliser, and of course Trent with the assist for the winner. I thought Fabinho did all right. Don't know what you're talking I, about. I didn't I thought I thought he was okay. Mm. Well, did I he get in your eight ends? Was it six, seven? Six or seven. Can't remember which. One of those yeah, two. I thought, he gave away, I thought he gave away quite a few fouls myself and he a bit loose on the ball. I know second half, he actually got involved in quite a lot of attacks, didn't he? But yeah. West, West Brom had twice as many free kicks as Liverpool, which considering West Brom had 24% possession is pretty mathematically nonsensical. I think a I lot think. of people would say, who's the man in the middle? But Well, well you know, who was it? <laughs> who was it? I didn't recognise who it was, yeah. to be honest. I didn't, I, you know. I didn't really see it. Going back, by the way, going back to Liverpool's goal, I will answer your question, by the way. Going back to Liverpool's <laughs> goal, it was obviously 18 seconds after the ninety, the, the, the four minutes, wasn't it? But And I know West Brom, you've, you've watched the replay. <laughs> I don't know, it was somebody on, somebody, on their, um, somebody on their bench is straight up to the fourth official when the ball goes in going like this to him. But obviously Liverpool got the corner before the 94th minute and they just gave them enough time to, to take it. And I, I'm not sure whether it came across on television. Did you see... The three aborted kickoffs after that. It took them three goals no. to get the game restarted. That was that was a bit weird. I don't know what was going no, on yeah. there. No, that is that any moment's best. No, because no, it's too many. Come on. I can't, even I can't <laughs> sell that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah as you say, the big players have stepped up for the big moments. Um, Salah again with his goal, which Bobal Mane didn't play well. Certainly the second half, he was pretty awful, wasn't he? Just he, I actually thought he did all right first half. He won the corner. Yeah. Second, second, he won the corner and he set up the and he set up the goal for the first goal. So he's even when he's playing not great, he's still making a positive contribution. Plus, he was up against about fifteen West Brom defenders for half the time, so wasn't wasn't easy for him. But yes, yeah, Salah. I mean, in the second half as well, I thought, well, I'm not even sure he had a, he had possibly one chance which got blocked and he was left you know beating the turf. He actually screamed through frustration to be honest in front of us. So, but I thought he kept on at it. There was Trent, as you mentioned, again. I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure whether it came through on the television, but it was just the pure desire of Trent because obviously we we could hear what he was saying. And when things were going wrong, he was over it, maybe over it one or two passes. He was getting annoyed with himself. And obviously when he, when he missed the chance to, to, to score the winner, but like at United, second half, he was just bombing forward all the time. He was, Klopp spoke on Friday about the players being desperate. There was a desperation amongst the players to get to the Champions League from there because it was, he was asked the question about do you need the money? And he says, look, the money's important. He says, but from a joy point of view for the players, they want to be playing in the Champions League. And he didn't say it, but I would assume he means especially next season when there's actually going to be people back in the ground and it's going to be something more akin to what they're used to. So, you know, Thiago, look at his, his performance. He's somebody who's come on, you know, world class player. We're suggesting, no, he's come on in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, he, in terms of his Liverpool career, with Fabinho in midfield, I think it's he's started to build a relationship with him and whoever else is playing in midfield, whether it's Curtis Jones or Gini Van Alden, could even be James Milner on uh, on Wednesday. We'll come to that in a bit. But he's also building it with the people in front of him. And 
he's also passing the ball quicker. And well, no one doubts, you know, no one doubts his accuracy. If some of the passes he was doing, it was just if it was any of us, we'd be like, oh, that was good. But from just like, just, you know, we're playing by like, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he's, I think he's always done that. Trait. Yeah, I think he, he's always done that. I think it's kind of just been overlooked. That's why he's, he's, he's such an important player for whoever he's played for, because he's been able to do that. I think, was, yeah. it, was it a long pass that helped set up the goal for Bayern Munich against Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League final? Because he played that long ball down the channel and then they crossed yeah, it in and then it was a goal. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's got that in his locker. I just think he's he's just again, and he's someone who gets. I think he gets he gets it now. And while he may have got it at the start, he had three months on the sidelines of uh, of, of being injured, and then in that time, uh, Liverpool. Well, when he came back, everybody else in Liverpool forgot it. So that was the concern for him. But now that everyone's back on the same page, I think he's making a massive difference. And yeah, Trent and and Allison forget the goal. I just thought he played really well overall. I thought he came out with, you know, he commanded his box very well. He, he dealt well with the amount of corners that West Brom had. He made a good save from, from Robson Carnu, and then, as we know, he was there at the end to, to nod one in. And even yeah, Trent with that recovery block from Robson Carnu yeah. as well. I think we all forget about that as well. The, as you say, desire and determination to, to get back in. He probably gave up a good 15, 20 yards on the angle and still managed to get the block in. Theo, let you crack on with your point you were going to make <laughs> I was going to say um, you've got to give I think Jurgen Klopp credit for how well he knows his players like you think all season long um, he's been saying that he needs stability in this team and it's no coincidence that when he's got stability in the team they've gone on this unbeaten run that we're seeing the best of Thiago when he's able to play game after game when he's able to complete 90 minutes it's not the fact that he wasn't playing well as such earlier in the season. He was just still recovering from COVID, adjusting to English football, adjusting to this really strange season. And then credit to Trent Alexander-Arnold as well, because I don't buy into the myth that he's had an awful season and that he's only turned his form on in the last month. I think he's been good for a good two, three months now and it went under the radar somewhat. But he has really stepped up since that England snub like when he got the armband for the first time against Midgetland, I don't, I can't even say them properly. So that's offensive. Midgetland. Do you go there? Do you go there, Theo? <laughs> Wait, be kind. But yeah, since he got the armband, that's a theme there, park that you don't have to be a certain height for. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think he really put in the captain's performance in that one. He was quiet, and that's pretty much how the first half of his season went. But you could really hear him on the coverage yesterday. And it's been the case for the last few games where without Henderson, when they've known he's been out for the season, without Milner, without Van Dyke, he has stepped up and he's been this leader. We all know he wants to be Liverpool captain one day. And you're starting to see that leadership quality of them. And it's in a season where Liverpool haven't really had many players properly step up and take responsibility like that. So it's great to see him do that because you have been looking at this squad going, where are the leaders? Considering they've got the Egypt international captain, they've got the Scotland international captain. But then, as a completely different point as well, I think it was quite telling that when Salah got his goal, the first thing he did was make a really big point of well done to Sadio Mane for creating that. So we've spoken about the Allison goal, the celebrations there, the squad harmony there. But we all know there's been these whispers that Mane and Salah don't get on, they don't pass to each other, but they know how important each other was for that goal. And after the, the fallout, or whatever you want to call it, with Klopp in midweek, uh, they want to make Sadio Mane feel loved. They want to make Mohamed Salah feel loved. All these players, because they know if they're loved, they're at their best, then Liverpool got the best chance of finishing the top four this season. Can I just Definitely. mention the centre-backs? Can I mention the centre-backs? Yeah. It was interesting yeah, well, because I actually thought Reese Williams was the better of the two yesterday. Nat, Nat was a little bit 
not all over the place, but he was a little bit wayward, I thought, in the in the first half. Did better second half, but Reese Williams just kind of grew into it and you know, I haven't seen him for quite a while in terms of what he's playing for the under under eighteens and, and the under twenty-threes. I think he's kind of showing now that he thinks that he belongs at this level. Whether he ends up playing for Liverpool long term, that I don't know, but he didn't you didn't look out of place. You didn't look at him basically, you didn't look at him yesterday, and you didn't look at him at Old Trafford and think, Oh no, there's a twenty year old centre back playing there and he's gonna get, you know, he's gonna get exposed. Although there are two more games to go and I'm pretty sure Burnley will be looking to put as many balls but, up against those two as possible. Palace yeah, as well, Benteke. On that point, though, I think a lot of people going into the game would have thought, oh, yeah, Phillips away against the Sam Allardyce side. This exactly, is going to yeah. be just his game. Yeah. But actually, I think they were probably the opponents who probably exposed him the most. Hopefully that is a one-off, as you but say. And Maybe maybe that's because, as you were at Fabinho, just kind of went for a wander for a while. and In the second mm. half, he was a little bit more steady, so... Yeah, yeah, maybe shouldn't have given him a seven. But he did one of the yeah. worst passes you'll see. That cross at the, near the end. <laughs> hey, Phillips? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, Robertson yeah. had a massive go at him about it. Yeah. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get the calculators out, though, and let's try and work out these permutations as it stands then. Of course, we do still have two games to go. Liverpool in fifth, three points off third place Leicester and only a point behind fourth place Chelsea. Crucially, Doily, the two of them face each other at Stamford Bridge tomorrow. So I've got it like this. If Leicester lose that game, they can still reach 69 points, which is what Liverpool can do. That would mean it go to goal difference if Chelsea, of course, win their final game away at Aston Villa. If Chelsea lose, though, Leicester could get all the way up to 72 points. Chelsea only 67. Liverpool can better that by two. And if they draw Leicester 70 points, they can reach Chelsea 68 and Liverpool a point more than Chelsea on 68. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, I think the first thing you have to think, if Leicester get anything from the game on Tuesday, they are through. And that's taken any kind of goal difference. Well, not all goal difference, but it's taken the goal difference with Leicester out of the equation because Liverpool can't catch them. So that's that. In some ways, Liverpool prefer Leicester to win because then they may it's only need so four complicated. Yeah. They may only need four points. If Leicester beat Chelsea on Tuesday, Liverpool will probably only need four points, which would make things give a little bit of a safety net, wouldn't it? Because you know, they'd want to get the points in the bag as soon as possible. But you know, the reality is Chelsea are at home. They have the fans there. Leicester will have been celebrating the cup win. Chelsea will be determined to to make amends, and they don't want to leave it to you know having to win the Champions League to get back into the Champions League. So they'll be up for it. So you have to assume that Chelsea are going to get something from the game. If they get the win, then it does look as though it may end up coming down to to goal difference, possibly between Liverpool and Leicester. But, but you know, Tottenham will still need something from the last game against against Leicester, I think, to make sure that they're in the Europa League. I mean, they're not entirely out of the top four chase, are they? I don't think. But I mean, realistically, they probably are. But mathematically, they're not. By then, they'll know. But they'll still be in a kind of a battle for wanting to get in the Europa League rather than the Europa Conference League um, with West Ham and well, it would be Liverpool or Chelsea, wouldn't it? So. Yeah, I think, and what Villa, Chelsea are at Villa, you'd have to assume Villa at Chelsea are going to win that. I think Villa have kind of just slipped away in the last couple of years now. I'd say in the Champions League final that um, they'd be more likely to rest players, wouldn't they? And you think Villa in front well, of the fans? Well, it's a week off, isn't it? It's a full yeah. week and they'll want to be back and they want to be in the Champions League. Especially what happened in the FA Cup. What happened in the FA Cup, there's no way they're not going to go strong in these last two games. No chance. 
and they'll get they'll be massively up for beating Leicester. So I think if Leicester win that game, I'll be amazed. But that that was the one result that perhaps that Liverpool will want more than any because it does give them possibly that little bit of leeway. Yeah, and in terms of the goal difference, Leicester at the moment on plus twenty one, Chelsea plus twenty two, and Liverpool plus twenty one, the same as Leicester. So it could go to goal difference. But Theo, mm. I was texting you guys before we came on air. We can't end up, we don't think, with a, a Champions League playoff, unfortunately. No, that's a shame. It's because of a <laughs> Mohamed Salah goal, isn't it? Uh, away at Leicester, being the head-to-head would take it away. But it's funny when you look at the, the table and you look at that goal difference, we well, think how crucial could those seven goals Liverpool scored against Palace, all the seven they conceded to Villa, come into this? Or when you think Chelsea, they've not scored as many as the other two. Well, Timo Werner's not exactly been uh, flying for them, has he? <laughs> but the fact that it can come down to such small margins, uh, it would be... Would have been nice if we'd had a playoff. Granted, uh, Liverpool aren't going to win a trophy or anything, but it's. Do you not want the drama of that? No, really? now it's another game for me to go to. Yeah. Not? <laughs> another game for you to go to. You'd have actual fans there, something riding on it. It's a cup final of sorts. But like we were saying yesterday on the debrief, um, as much as you look at Leicester, you look at Chelsea, they've got other influence coming into this, whether it's an FA Cup final hangover, they've got a mental hangover from missing out last year and not wanting to repeat that, they've got the Champions League final to look forward to. Liverpool just need to focus on their own games and get the points in the bag. And you'd like to think it should be enough. Um, Hopefully they won't be relying on the keeper to be getting last-minute winners in the next two. But it's been a crazy season, so we'll wait and see what actually happens. If Chelsea Chelsea win, they go up to 67, don't they? I'm just doing off the top of my head, yeah. Yeah. That would leave Leicester on 66 and Liverpool will be on 63 with the game in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if that happens and then Liverpool beat Burnley. Then you've got the three teams, a point between them. That last game, that last day of the season is going to be incredibly uh, tense, isn't it? Because there will be goals, the games will change, it'll, it'll shift around. And I think, I think um, they say peak Barclays, don't they, the kids? Well, that's, yeah. don't, don't. They don't until yesterday when I start yeah. seeing it a bit like, oh. Yeah, it's like who's the sponsors of the, of the Premier League, by the way? There is, there is none. Exactly. Yeah. Why are they call yeah. it? Yeah. But may as well just call it. May as well just call it the, the you know the Today newspaper, which doesn't even exist, used to sponsor the top flight. So why don't they call it Peak Today? It doesn't make any well, it's sense. Not, it's not. It's not. like you, Doyle, to get hangry over uh, things that don't matter. But let's anyway talk about the the game with Burnley fans going to be there. I think they've got six and a half thousand. Have they? Am I right in thinking? I think, it's, that is... I think, it's, I think it's four and a half actually. Oh, is it four and a half? Right. Oh, yeah, because it's three and a half. There's actually yeah. nobody going. <laughs> yeah, I know they're giving the tickets away for free, aren't yeah. they? Season ticket. Yeah, that, that was a really good gesture, by the way. So, I mean, they'll be well up for it in that sense. But I actually think it'll help Liverpool because they'll be, they'll, you know, they'll be, they've been to Burnley before. They've, they've actually got a quite a decent record there over the last couple of seasons. If not at home against Burnley away, they certainly do. I think it'll help them because it'll just feel a lot more like a game and they'll they'll know what to expect. But we're yeah, saying no, this uh, without taking into consideration they just got battered 4-0 at home. So they'll definitely want a response there as well. Yeah, it's 3,500. Yeah, it's 3,500 Burnley fans. Is it 3,500? Yeah. That's, really? Yeah. I thought yeah. it's interesting. Oh, well. Yeah, that's how many there's going to be. But yeah, he's going to be an interesting one. And with that as well, I suppose important... The uh, the team Liverpool are going to pick. Let's get into our match, our team selector, and our um, match prediction now, guys. And I suppose in goal we've got to go for one man and one man only. The goal scoring machine, Alison Becker, uh, Doily defence. What do you think? Well, Liverpool had ten players injured at the weekend, yeah. and I think I think we can't 
underestimate how difficult you know theo mentioned the, the players on the bench were you know i got a call and i just said i hadn't brought my boots it was too late so you know <laughs> <laughs> plus i'm absolutely chronic at football which was and i can't see so other than those things um <laughs> um in fact yeah allison in goal i think they can't do anything can't, there's very little that they can do no. especially with jota being out i thought they can't rotate the front three really unless somebody gets injured midfield's the only place they can rotate and that's dependent on what you want to do um so defensively it's just going to be the same again i mean the only way he'd possibly change it is if one of the centre backs gets injured, which you'd have to play Fabinho there. But I actually think for this Billy game, Billy was on the bench though yesterday. He might well just get thrown into the. Uh, I, don't know <laughs> I think it's. I'm just saying. No, I know. I think. Well, he's uh, he's going to be. He needs the game time to to get ready for the Youth Cup final, which will be uh, yeah. next week probably. Um, no, I think it's that would be totally unfair. Wouldn't they play? Yeah. <laughs> totally, utterly unfair. Um, I think what might happen is Fabinho ends up being asked to to step back a few paces and just help out Williams and Phillips in terms of the aerial threat from Burnley and I think that's the only it will be more of a positional change and a tactical change than um, than any kind of massive you know changes in terms of the actual personnel I think Liverpool have done quite well they play I remember they played 4-4-2 there one year and 1-3-1 I think Cater played centre yeah. midfield had a, had a very good game I think that's when Joe Gomez broke his leg I think he was playing right back so calling that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was a game. That was, was a lot. Eighteen, of... nineteen, wasn't it? That's yeah, yeah. That was about December, wasn't it? So that was a yeah. game where they made changes, and it was a midweek game. And I think ideally Klopp would have wanted to do that, but there's only one more game left after this. I think this is, in terms of the the, the legs, this is the trickier one because it's another five, four, five days before they play um, Crystal Palace. They'll have played this game. They'll played three games in less than in just around about six days. So this will be a tough. This will be a tough one in terms of the actual fitness, but. I'm not sure what they can do, but they had the defence. It'll be Trent, it'll be Robertson, it'll be Phillips, and it'll be uh, it'll be Reece Williams. Do we, I, I suppose then, in terms of midfield, Theo, is it whether you play Thiago away at Turf Moor or whether maybe Vinaldum comes into this one, or, or even Curtis Jones? As we said, there really isn't that much wiggle room for what Liverpool can do. Um, well, the only other alternative would be four-two-three-one, and then you have Shakiri in there because I think well, Naby Keita, Oxley Chamberlain. Oxley Chamberlain could return if it's just been illness, but no word on whether Kate is going to be back. And it's just whether you bring Wijnaldum back in. Uh, I think it is getting to that point now, isn't it, where he's the player that's dropping out, that Jurgen Klopp knows he's going to go and he's looking to the future. But at the same time, you will want to protect legs. So you think in that midfield trio, the obvious change is Jones out, Wijnaldum back in. Uh, it depends how Thiago's feeling. Like He's played a lot of 90 minutes recently and he has had a big impact on games. But do you want to save him for Palace or do you want to have him against Burnley? Uh, I'm just going to assume that he can power through. And then if he's tied for Spain at the Euros, who cares? That's their problem. So Thiago can keep his place for Vino, keep his place in Genie and for Jones. You go with that, Doily? No, I think Milner will play. I think Milner will play. Yeah, I think Klopp said that he was expecting it to be back. I think okay, but Milner can come in as well then. <laughs> well, I mean, can 12 players. Thiago <laughs> uh, can have a rest then if Milner's back. All right. Um, no, I think see you just told me to play in Thiago now. Um <laughs> I think it'll be a game where the where the subs will be crucial. I think they will change the midfield. I would I I think Fabinho and Thiago and Milner will start. And I think possibly Milner and Thiago will go off at some point for one Alderman Jones. Because once you go past that, I mean there's Shakiri, as Theo says, and then there's not really a lot else. I mean, 
It was interesting, wasn't it, that Origi was on the bench on Sunday, and despite the fact Liverpool needed a goal and you know the last few minutes he wasn't thrown on. And although to be fair to him, he hasn't played since March, and he was only restarted training. I think it was on Tuesday it was the first time we saw him in it. And um, perhaps he was just on the bench to make up the numbers, or just in case something absolutely ridiculous happened. Or well, which you could argue that it did did happen. But in terms of in terms of actual players being injured and then having to come on, so yeah, I think I think Milner will play. Uh, Thiago, Fabinho, and then the front three is the front three because what else is there? Yeah, I was going to say voice of authority with Thiago Jota's season-ending injury, albeit we don't really know how long it is, but with a week left of the season, that is going to be that then. So the front three, Salah, Firmino and Mane. Um, match result then, Doily, I'll let you go first. What, what's the scoreline going to be? I think I think a lot is going to depend on that Chelsea game, you know. Yeah. because. I actually, if Leicester win, um, although I don't think that they will, I actually thought it's like the, the thing about Alisson going up, it was, what made it interesting is that a draw wasn't the worst result ever for Liverpool yesterday. I know it wasn't the perfect result, but if they'd have lost, it wouldn't have given them any kind of, you know, they would have been totally reliant on, you know, you know your snookers or something like that. But a draw would have only went one minor slip up by one of the other two, but certainly by Chelsea or possibly by Leicester, and that might have been enough. Which is what makes me think a draw is not a, a terrible result at Burnley, but you can't be looking at draws at this time of the season. You know, it, it is rare that Liverpool end a season with five wins in a row. I think it's only happened twice in the Premier League era. So, you know, certainly in, in I think terms they of three times, weren't they in commentary? Yeah, three, three, twice uh, under Rafa, once under Klopp. Well, it's, it's definitely 2006, and it's also definitely 2019. In terms of winning the last three or the last two, the last three is definitely they did it under Benitez another time as well, but they're the only times in the Premier League year, which is always it always amazes me because you know Liverpool so often have, have things to play for, but in, you know that's what makes me think that not Chelsea and Leicester. I know they can't win both win against each other, but that's what that's what didn't make. I wasn't surprised when you saw say Le- Leicester drop some points and Chelsea lost against Arsenal. Oh, eight because, nine the other one by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because. Because it's so it's such a tense time, and often teams aren't used to playing for things at this time of the season. And obviously, players are tired, and players are coming in and out. And you have that kind of the variable of like we saw against West Brom. The other team might not have anything to play for, but they they put in a performance because just because they can you know, to remind everybody that they can still play football. So, in answer to your question, um, <laughs> so you bought yourself some yeah. time there, Doyle. Yeah. Score yeah, yeah. In, in answer to your question, three-one to Liverpool. Three-one, Theo. Uh, 2-1 Liverpool. I'm going to think it's going to be very similar to the West Brom game. Uh, no, don't say that. You ain't 129 years for a goalkeeper to score one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he comes around and gets two Yeah, two. considering the last two, I think you, you wouldn't be surprised if Burnley took the lead, but then Liverpool could fight back. Uh, Burnley, they've got what, likes of Chris Wood, don't they? Ashley Barnes. Uh, those are the sort of players you could see causing Liverpool problems. Um, and then you'd like to think that Liverpool can find a way. It's been an all right ground for them in recent years. Like they got a good win there, didn't they? Last was it August, September, and then obviously the one we've already mentioned a couple of seasons back. Uh, it's been a good ground for Firmino, for Salah, Mane. Hopefully, two one win, that'll be enough. And then uh, all for it, another seven nil win against Palace on the last day in front of the home fans. 
Yeah, three of the last four wins have come from conceding the first goal and coming back. I don't know how many more times they can afford to really try and pull off that trick, but we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. That's it for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. My thanks as ever goes to Ian Doyle and Theo Squires for joining me and you two for listening and watching in wherever it is you have joined us. But until next time here on Blood Red, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.